From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up. Point of order, you didn't ask for those against. My apologies, those against. Stakes are getting higher as councillors face off across the chamber at the first of two special meetings over Pasali naming. The guiding of your hand in our works and the grace to serve together to advance the prosperity of our city. The council prayer that fell on deaf ears. And later on the show, you'll meet Indigenous artist Sally Harrison, who through her art has been able to connect with her identity and love of the land. It's Friday, July 8, 2022, and I'm Alan Roebuck. It's NADOC week. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. If you have been following along at home, the removal of the Pasali name from a bridge and road seemed simple enough. However, it's turned into the biggest crisis facing this current term of council. From agreeing to remove the name last December to claim and counterclaim of what the community really wants, this is eating away at the credibility of Ipswich councillors. It now seems the chamber is divided into two groups over the issue, with at least two councillors changing their views in the space of a week. So now we have councillors Madsen, Ireland, Johnny and Tully opposite the Mayor along with councillors Doyle, Fechner, Milligan and Kunzelman. The first group attempted to gazump the second by calling a special meeting of council on July 7. The second group of five councillors had already called for a special meeting on July 12 with a similar agenda. The two items on the agenda for July 7 were related to the Pasali naming issue and followed the opening prayer which echoed high ideals and the acknowledgement of country. Councillor Jonick put up a transparency and integrity motion and Councillor Madsen changed his mind over the renaming of a bridge with Pasali but no reference in the motion to Pasali Drive. Any decision on both was delayed by the strategic use of procedural motions on both items. Councillor Marnie Doyle and Councillor Kate Kunzelman. Uh, thank you, Mayor. I'll move straight into moving a procedural motion that the matter lie on the table until the next ordinary meeting um, in order for me to seek further information. I move a procedural motion that the matter lie on the table until the next ordinary council meeting as we require the actions arising from next Tuesday's special meeting before this matter can be concluded. So in the end, no decisions were made at the meeting and it lasted all of three minutes. The next special meeting of councillors is currently set for July 12 at 9am. Unless something happens to reduce bitterness between this current crop of councillors, they could be heading down the path of being dysfunctional, something we haven't seen in Ipswich City Council since 1993 when Dave Underwood was mayor and councillors voted to remove his powers and staff. To borrow from a well-worn cliché, current councillors need to build a bridge and resolve this issue once and for all, get over their resentment and move on to solving the bigger issues for the good of the city. First Nations artist Sally Harrison grew up as one of the stolen generations and her relationship with the land and people has been complicated for most of her life. Through painting, Sally has been able to connect with her Aboriginal identity and share her love of the land. Coinciding with NADOC Week, Spirit of Place, Here, There and Everywhere has opened at Ipswich Art Gallery. I caught up with Sally Harrison this week for a coffee and chat in a nearby park, 
the weather wasn't quite on our side, so apologies for wind noise during the interview. Sally, thank you for speaking with Ipswich today. So it's my pleasure, Alan. Before we talk about your new exhibition, you were born in 1949, and I deeply respect that this might be painful. But can you take us back to growing up as part of the Stolen Generations? What are your earliest memories? I was pretty happy at uh, Bombardieri. My earliest memory goes back to when I was 16 months of age. And uh, I can well, probably earlier, because I know that I was placed at Bombardieri when I was 13 months of age. And yeah, my earliest memory is at around that age. I was very small, couldn't speak, couldn't think. And I remember lying in a cot and being awake very early in the morning and the sunlight was coming in through the open dormitory or the dorm, whatever, it was a dormitory, I was in a dormitory and seeing the the light on the wall, like sliding down the wall like honey and creeping across and disappearing when it got to the bottom of the wall. I'm big eyed and watching and then it crept up through the bars of my cot and I'm just staring at it and then it sort of crept up my arm and I could feel how nice and warm it was and then it kissed me good morning and that's my earliest memory. And growing up as a child, where did it all take you? I was stayed at Bombardier. We were trained to be domestic servants uh, from the time we could toddle and uh, I loved it. used to pester the big girls to teach me how to iron, can I do this? And so they'd let me stand on a chair and use a flat iron and they'd be saying, be careful Sally, don't burn yourself. And they were just watching like oh, older kids, 11, 12. Uh, but I was only three. <laughs> I used to pester them and um, because I was left-handed, uh, there was a girl there called, uh, she was a cousin of Stan Grant, you know, the uh, ABC reporter. She and her five sisters were there as well because they take whole families and there are a lot of whole families of kids there. And, um, and she was left-handed like me and slightly deaf in one ear like me. Very quiet. We were both very quiet, shy children. And she was 18 months older than me. And I pestered Laura one day. Her name was Laura Grant. And uh, I looked up to her because she, before school, she was five. And she'd be um, plaiting the children's hair, the young, you know, other kids' hair to, to go to school. And I was desperate to learn that skill. So I, I sort of plucked up courage one day and I went up to her and I said, can you show me how to plait hair? And she looked me up and down, you know, and looked straight through right into my very soul. And then, because she was a lot, she was darker, you know, she was quite brown. And then she just nodded her head as if to say, well, yeah, you're ready to learn. Never said anything, but she just nodded her head as if to say, yeah, you're old enough to learn and listen, or listen and learn. So she took me down by the laundry and there's some bush boys growing by on the path and so she just divided them into three and demonstrated how to plait hair and because I, did, I wouldn't get it back to front in my head, you know, like I saw things back to front, it didn't take me long at all to, she said, you practice, you know, so away I went and yeah, I could plait hair. So I was pretty proud of myself. You know? <laughs> Very good. Well, let's, let's fast forward to talk about your art. When did you first pick up a paintbrush? When I was 10, 
And that was uh, thanks to the intervention of um, the Mother Superior of St. Michael's Catholic School at Nowra. Uh, she knew that uh, I was just a complete nerve bag at school and uh, there were definite signs that there was something very wrong behind closed doors at home. And uh, she probably saved, saved my life actually, uh, certainly saved me from despair. She came down and that's unusual for the mother superior to visit a parent. But she came down with a younger nun um, to our house. My mother did not invite her in. And I happened to be in my front bedroom. It must have been a Saturday morning because I was in, I used to just shut myself away in my bedroom so I didn't have to see them sort of thing. And uh, I could hear part of the conversation. And it was more or less along the lines of uh, oh, Mrs Cook, um, as my name was Cook and I'm bloody born on Australia, don't excuse me. <laughs> my adoptive name, it's like wearing a hair shirt. <laughs> but anyway, she says, Mrs Cook, uh, Sally's very nervous at school and um, she's falling behind with her maths and uh, science and some other subject. And we feel that uh, she's, very, she's very good at art, quite talented, and we feel that... Uh, if you send her to uh, art classes down at the high school, which is something because they had a thing about state schools, uh, it might help her to relax and she might do better at her studies. That was the way she put it to my mother. And uh, she knew they were pressing her buttons and telling her, we know what's going on and we want you to do something about it now. And so she did. <laughs> and in those early days, what, what artist or which artists were you attracted to? Well... Our teacher, Mr Thurgood, he was just the most wonderful man, lovely, lovely man, and he worked for the TAFE, so he ran these uh, art classes on Saturday mornings, and so kids between the age of 9 and 16 would attend, and he didn't make any differentiation between a 9-year-old, the talent of a 9-year-old, and a 16-year-old. He regarded us as all the same, he'd give us a subject, and that was it, but before we started, he would uh, speak about a different genre of art each weekend. And so uh, I clearly remember him talking about uh, Monet and the neo-impressionists, uh, particularly uh, Van Gogh. And so Van Gogh's work uh, repel, attracted and repelled me. I could, I could feel the despair, uh, which was very similar to my own. <laughs> Uh, in his paintings and it sort of repelled me but at the same time I loved the colours um, and uh, loved uh, Monet's work because it was so free and uh, I didn't understand art at all but he, he would speak for an hour on that because we had a three hour lesson and he'd explain what was great about them and then he'd say right uh, today you're going to do a painting of uh, a day in the park or something like that and um, and leave us to it. He'd sit down and read a magazine, get up after 20 minutes or so and come down and look at everybody's work. I used to get terribly nervous when he came near me and I'd start scrubbing away with the brush and he'd peer over my shoulder and then he'd move on and then on the way back he'd say, oh, he said, you just painted over that bit I really liked. <laughs> a sort of way of saying, you know, stop being nervous, you know, just be yourself. How would you describe your style? then and how it's evolved to now. Well, it's a funny thing you say that because uh, Mr Thurgood loved spontaneity and he loved it when he saw me uh, 
get a tube of paint and just squeeze the paint off and, and scribble it across the, the paper and, and wipe my fingers through it. And he, he went into just absolutely loved it. And most of the time, at the end of each year, I won the best artist of the year because of my particular style. So I was very spontaneous, but it was only because I knew he liked it. And it was a source of approval because there wasn't much behind closed doors. So that was the only reason I did it. But um, he absolutely loved it. So I'm no different now. I'm still got <laughs> scribble, <laughs> finger paint. <laughs> Before this current exhibition, roughly how many paintings had you completed? Oh, I can't count them. Um, well, I had uh, an exhibition um, in 2019 and I did... 25 dot paintings in two months. This exhibition had 15. Uh, then in 2016, I did, I think I did 10 or 11 paintings. The average has been around about anywhere between 10 and 14 paintings. In doing that, uh, um, sort of 2012 was a big year, excuse me, um, with, uh, this Land, Our Land, which was a joint exhibition at the Exhibition Gallery at Ipswich, which is a massive area. I had a 10 metre wall to cover on one side, plus the front and back walls and uh, the side entrance. But managed to get the work done, and uh, along with Dale Weston and Annie Clark. And uh, it was the greatest, uh, they were saying it was the most successful ex exhibition and had the biggest attendance uh, at that time. You know, so it was a big deal. Let's talk about your current collection of works, Spirit of Place, Here, There and Everywhere. What was the motivation to create this series? Um, well, usually I don't think of a title and I just start uh, doing things I like. I always have to paint what I like. I always have to have a visual image. I, I'm not imaginative at all. And uh, uh, nature has always been my source of solace, comfort and joy. Uh, that's where I went whenever I could uh, uh, when I was a kid, uh, just for peace and quiet and serenity. And um, so I have heaps and heaps of photos. Uh, I received a $7,500 RADF grant to go to Western Australia in 2009, which was awarded by Ipswich City Council. So I took, literally took something like 10,000 photos while I was over there. And so I have heaps and heaps of material, uh, that I, especially of daisy paintings, uh, which I know people absolutely love. Out of all my paintings, they're the ones that are the most popular. I have to paint what calls to me, what I, I like. Yep. And so over the years I've assembled a lot of photos. I just happen to be at a place and I'll see something and I'll think, God, I want to paint that, you know. And so I take a photo because I don't like painting in the open. Um, the wind blows, it's Murphy's Law, usually the canvas goes flat on the wet side, and you're scraping off mud and dirt and leaves. Uh, or people come around, crowd around you and ask you questions and I have a deep aversion to people seeing me paint and uh, interrupting what I'm doing. So you have to bite your tongue and be very nice. So I thought it was better just to lock myself away and uh, I work in my garage actually, yeah, that's yeah. my studio. Well, we know what the wind is like. All of a sudden, it sprung up in our spot here, so uh, we, we, we will persevere. I guess each work is like your own child, and it's probably difficult to play favourites. Have no, you got a Have no. you got a favourite? No, 
Once I've done a painting, that's it. I'm always thinking I could have done it better. I don't, it's not my child, definitely. Some of them I absolutely hate because of uh, the mistakes I've made and the trouble it's caused me to actually complete the painting. So I run into difficulties. I cannot predict what's going to ha happen with the dotting process of uh, flying by the seat of my pants. No idea what's going to happen uh, once I start uh, finger painting colours underneath and then dotting over the top. You get the most amazing unexpected uh, changes in colour and um, I, I simply cannot predict what's going to happen. So I'm just glad it's over. Uh, I don't want to know about that painting when it's finished. I couldn't care less, okay? And some would happily give away because they've been such a... Driven, driven me up the wall with frustration trying to complete them. Sounds like a typical artist to me. <laughs> Your current exhibition is now on. Uh, are there any works for sale? They've all been sold bar one. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so um, my agent is responsible for that side of things. He handles that. Andrews Bark, great bloke, does a great job because uh, I'm not business-minded. Uh, I just do the painting. So, and the only reason I do them is to please people and uh, give pleasure, not pain. That's the whole reason why I paint is to give pleasure to people and not pain. And on that very positive note, <laughs> Sally Harrison, thank you so much for speaking with Ipswich today. Thank you. And a reminder, you will find handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.